In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by Chatty Police Officers. Welcome in to episode 103 of the Gospel Friends. I am the Reverend Verbage. I am the Captain Crunchy. And why does it always take us so long to get this show started? Probably not a good question to answer right now. I am, during this episode, Chaco Nick. Chaco Nick. And we have... Returning again. The General. Generals in the house for episode one oh three. Yeah, one oh three. Which is could also be interpreted signal ten three, not ten four. No, that 10, was an unofficial episode. Well there was, and we counted it, one oh one. Well there was about thirty unofficial episodes without David, but he Shit. doesn't know about them. <laughs> what were you gonna say? You shouldn't have. <laughs> wow. Woo Shots fired. Mm. Shots, Shots fired. fired to your good friend Nathan. Your Brother by another mother. No, Nathan is actually a great podcaster. Uh, well, he was the one that led out on 101. Yeah, he led it, but he had he wasn't alone. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> never. Man, you guys, wow. Not Does anybody know what what ten code ten three means? We have some new police officers that listen to the show. Congratulations, Mental. Thank you for moderating us. 10-3 means stop transmitting as a general rule. I I don't know that that's precinct by precinct or department by department. But if you give me a 10-3 is what we did for about a year. Yeah. If you give me a 10-3 at the beginning of the show when you're doing your intro, maybe I would stop interrupting you. Well, maybe that's what I need to do. The 10-3 was going to be me taking your microphone stand and shoving it up your nose. I thought you said you were going to shove it somewhere else. In a a very Christ-like way. How would one shove a microphone somewhere uncomfortably in a Christ-like way, Dave? I used to pray for him (laughs) while you're doing it. (laughs) And then you would have to ensure Chase forgave you after. Well, yeah. Call back 102. I would bring you along with me. Ah, okay. Wouldn't Chase be the one bringing me along? Well, no, because he has something shoved up his nose, so he's not going to be bringing anybody along for a while. Goodness. Uh, all right, episode one hundred and three. Great start of the Gospel Friends. After yep. being back for, uh, excuse me, being gone ourselves ten three for almost a year, we have now managed to put out two shows in yep. two weeks. Pretty good, theoretically. Don't wow. get your hopes up, though. <laughs> You're assuming these get posted correctly all <laughs> time. A couple of these guys are just. I'm gonna uh, throw out the uh, Lord willing there. There you go. That'll cover any. Uh, mishaps that we couldn't foresee if all has gone according to plan and we have not gotten struck down uh last week uh, emmanuel on episode 102 we took just a moment to brief everyone on where we've been for the the past year like kind of individually so is there anything you would like to share with the listening audience catch people up on your uh what's been going on with you in the last uh 11 months since the uh Paul's in the podcasting. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, the man of that many was words. that was about as interesting as 
That was riveting. Chase is dancing. Thank you. Mm. See uh, episode 102 there. Well, hopefully the rest of this podcast will be far more interesting than what Emmanuel's been doing for the last 11 months. Hey, you can mess with other people in the hall. Emmanuel will shoot you. <laughs> well, yes. yes. Do you want to go and do that thing you do every episode he's on where you what? ask him how many people he shot? Not yet. Okay. He's you'll not s- warmed up yet. You want to sneak that in later? I have to do it when he's not <laughs> thinking so I can catch him off guard. What's on tap for episode 103 so we can kind of uh, let everybody know uh, what what we're planning? Of course, we'll cut half of it, which is what we normally do. Well, we have the quiz game. We have a game coming up. Go around the table, and everybody says how many people they shot. <laughs> I'll start with you, David, and, and then Nick, and then whoever okay. else is here. Uh, I'm at uh, zero. Okay. All right. Well, we haven't started the game yet. Oh, okay. My bad. The winner has the most, you know, the highest. Now, number. is this shot with anything, or is it actually like with intent to kill and successful? I'm thinking with a uh, gunpowder-driven projectile. Okay, gotcha. Arrows don't count. Okay, which rules me out. BB guns? Nah, that's child's play. Indeed, it was. That's what went wrong. Anyway, so we, we actually have a game. Yeah, we do. So we have a game. Uh, it will not be the quality of games that you normally expect when the general is on. No, he has the uh, clue. Because he, <laughs> he has something going on that caused him to not be able to put together a game, which Chase is calling the flu. So uh, I will be bringing in the game for the three of you guys this week. In just a moment, we have uh, Big Deal, Little Deal yep. returning for episode 103. What else we have? We have an episode of As the Driscoll Turns. Uh, no, we don't. Why not? Because that's not in the show notes. Oh, correct. No. Well, people are wondering what's going on with Pastor Mark, though. I have begun listening again to Pastor Mark as he puts out new material from his new church, the Trinity Church in Arizona. Well, Janet Mefford is not going to be happy with you, my friend. You know friend. what? And that makes me extremely happy. <laughs> oh, I listen, uh, he, He's uh, been listening to Mark Driscoll's uh, sermon on Ruth recently. All right. Yeah. So glad to glad to see the Driscoll back in the uh, pulpit. I bet you are. We're also going to be talking about uh, the Comic Book Hall of Shame inductees for the year 2017. Suck uh, the life out of Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we needed some sound. So can I tell you what? That was completely unintentional. Can I just tell you that every time that, that comes on. Suck the life out of Sunday morning. <laughs> on the past two shows. <laughs> The look on Jason's face has been priceless. I don't really know what I'm hearing, and it's a little disturbing. <laughs> it's actually not a well-known Suck clip. The life we out don't of- we don't actually use that one <laughs> as much as some of the other ones, and so there's probably a reason for that. Probably so. So can I tell you what happened? I may or may not be exporting a file from an audio editing application while we're doing this, and the windows were stacked in such a way that I kept miss hitting the. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a problem. Hey, we are recording, right? Yes. Okay. Oh. Good. Sorry. Oh shoot. Yeah, hey, okay. we also have a call in. Yes, we do. We have story yeah. time. And then we're well, going to get to well that story produced. we promised you last week. Maybe. Maybe. Which was uh, about. Some Denny Burke thing about okay. uh, unbridgeable differences. Well, for right now, do we all know what time it is? Nick, do you know what time it is? I have an idea. Okay. Chase, do you know what time it is? Is it time to find John the Baptist? Uh, we didn't find John the Baptist. One arm John the Baptist is not with us. And. We have um, we have the hog. That's good. I, I don't know what his name is. It's the it's, it's a, a, a hat that is a, a razorback. You know, hang on, let me look. 
Oh, it's right here. Tiger meat. Tiger meat the hog. We have – That's a strange name play, hog. Play mobile Martin Luther. We have – The Rob Bell. The Rob Bell. We have one arm – no, I'm sorry. We have a plastic Chris Atwood and uh, John the Baptist's arm, but we cannot find one arm John the Baptist. And we got Emmanuel's purple mace spray. That's got to be a mascot of some sort. But now, 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 because you've questioned his uh, masculinity, he's going to shoot you. He might spray me with mace. And we're going to have to lead out on the segments that you were going to do. I'll just lay on the floor and moan, and that'll be. Ask the question, Chase. Which one? The question that you're supposed to ask now. Nick, how many people have you shot? By your terms, zero. Okay. David, how about you? Zero. Uh, that I have also I shot about. zero. Emmanuel, I'm not going to ask you the question uh, you think I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you the question, how many have people have been shot by the current Gospel Friends panelists today <laughs> added together? Well, Chase, I'd love to answer that question. However, statute of limitations. <laughs> okay. Well, I tried. I thought a little math. You gave it would, your best. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll figure it out one day. That when you tell on yourself, they call that dry snitching, where you just. Really? Or you can tell on somebody else without trying to. It's like you're not even trying to actually snitch, but you just accidentally snitch. Oh, yeah. We don't, Do you know how often we quote you in our house? My kids quote you all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, snitches get stitches. That's what. That's uh, a good line. Yeah. Now, if you told on yourself, would you have to later on cut yourself in, in frustration? or No, I'd just be stupid. Okay. I just made sure. Nick, I know what time it is. Are you sure you know what time it is? I'm positive. Because we went around this board just a moment ago. It's time to play the game. <laughs> so in the 80s, my mom bought me a kid's storybook Bible called another the, shout out to the book, mom. the book for kids. And I remember the book. Do you? And along with that, she bought me the book for kids, the Bible game, which is a trivia game that goes along with the book. And actually my kids enjoy playing this game. And I thought in, in lieu of not having a, a general game that we would actually put you guys to the test. Oh, my. All right. And, Today on episode 103 of the Gospel Friends, you will play the book Children's Trivia Game. <laughs> so the way this is going to work is um, there, there are for, – for every question, when it's your turn, there's a easy, a medium, and a hard. Okay. okay? <laughs> easy is one point, medium two points, hard three points. If you do not get the question correct, uh, then um, – uh, the other two gentlemen can steal. I will just take the first answer blurted out that's okay. correct, uh, and they will get half uh, half the value. So half a point, one point, one and a half points. First person to – let's go to 15 will win. Sounds good. Okay. Chase, you will go first. Easy, Martin Luther Calvin. Easy, medium, or hard for your first question. Jeez, I don't know how hard these are. From uh, the Jesus – from the uh, the book Children's Game. I'll just go with Hard? Hard. What did Jesus say when Pilate told him, don't you know that I have power to crucify you and power to let you go? You wouldn't have any power if my heavenly Father hadn't given you the power. I'm going to uh, count that. You can only do what God will let you do. So that is going to be uh, Chase 
three points. Good job. I'd probably give me two on that. Well, I, it's – But hey, thanks. You're not in charge. Okay. Uh, Emmanuel, easy, medium, or hard? Let's go medium. Medium. If Jesus served his disciples by washing their feet, what should we do? Punch him. Oh, sorry. It's not time to steal yet. Is that a real question? It is the medium question on the book Children's Game. Bible game. If Jesus served his disciples by washing their feet, what should we do? That's a stupid question. <laughs> Emmanuel, it, it, I don't know how else to say this. It is the book Children's Bible Game. I think he's stalling for time, Alex. I'm not stalling. Wash feet? Yes, we should wash each other's feet. Good job, Emmanuel. I am sorry that you are angry at the well, he has writers to, I'll, I'll of say, the book Children's Trivia Game. You know how every every Christian, especially every pastor or minister, has a portion of the Bible they just do not like for whatever reason? I hate, and I'm sorry, God, but you know how I feel about this. <laughs> I hate the way that the wash your feet stuff is used. It is so overused and used in the wrong manner, by the way. Yes. And it's just. Uh, well, I'm not saying I agree with you. I'm just saying. It's just annoying. I was saying. I just yes. wrote a post about that. Really? Thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Nick, over to you. Would you like easy, medium, or hard on the book Children's. I wasn't paying attention to How many points does Chase uh, have? One, two. Oh, Chase has three. Emmanuel has two. Yeah, but he's not happy about it, though. Easy, medium, or hard? Oh, shoot. Let me go for three. See if I can touch Hard? This. Yeah. How many stories high was the huge boat God told Noah to build? Really? Everybody knows that Again, I'm reading to you (laughs) the question. I actually do not know. Um, Seven. That is incorrect. Would anyone like to steal for one and a half points? Do you lose? Do you like? Do you lose? No, you don't lose anything. Five. Incorrect. Four. Three, two, Uh, one. uh, You're out, Emmanuel. I'm going to say four. It was, uh, according to the book Children's Bible Game, it was three. Three stories. Chase, back to you. Uh, medium, hard, easy. I don't know why I went in that order. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll go another hard. What did God tell Daniel would happen after 484 years? Um, oh, crap. Uh This was found on story 135, by the way, of the book, Children's Bible. Um, what did God tell Daniel would happen after 484 years? I don't think it's, I don't think it's the abomination that causes desolation. Um, um, five, four. Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying. Um <laughs> Chase, do you know what the number one rule of podcasting is? That you uh, don't, dead air. Well, dead look, air. I, dead look, air. Look, I know this, and, and I just can't. Well, very clearly you don't know it, Chase. Okay, abomination causes desolation. That's incorrect. Okay. Anybody like still? It's a Bible game for kids. I'm going to say Jesus. The Savior would be born. I'm going to give you the points. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Emmanuel. Good job. Three points. Emmanuel, back to you. Easy, medium, or hard? Medium. Medium, when Moses told God he could not speak well in front of people, whom was he to take with him? Aaron. 
Aaron is correct. Another two points for Manuel. You are up to seven. Seven points for Manuel, three for Chase, zero for Nick. Nick, do you want to get back in this with a hard or yes. easy or medium? Go, go, why not? Okay. Go big or go home. Who was Joseph's oldest brother? Oh, that's an easy one. <laughs> I want to read the New Testament. <laughs> well, amen. <laughs> Who was Joseph's oldest brother? Yeah, I don't know either. Anybody just want to shout it out? Ruben. Ruben. I think I heard Chase first, so I've got to give him the three points. I actually, is... I actually wasn't in a rush because I didn't think Chase knew it. Because Correct. <laughs> because it was an old testament. All right, we are uh, I got a little cocky seven there. points uh, for Emmanuel, six points for Chase, zero for Nick. I'm impressed. Chase, easy, medium, or hard? Uh, let me go medium. I'm, medium. I'm chastened by the last failure. Chase, what, ke- what keeps people from pleasing God? Sin? Sin is correct. Oh, yes. Can I point out that he said that? That's the way he was not sure of himself. Nick? That question sounded very hard, didn't it? It did. Nick, the oldest, uh, you get the oldest brother of Joseph. Chase gets what keeps people from pleasing God. And how tall was the <laughs> Look, that question, it, it seems simple because he got it right, but I was like, really? What? Uh, Emmanuel, back to you. So we're at seven to seven and then uh, zero for Nick. So Emmanuel, easy, medium, or hard? Medium. Medium. What did Moses do to an Egyptian he saw hitting an Israeli? He killed him. He killed him. That is correct. That is another two points for you. How many? (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Uh, Emmanuel, if you were Moses, how many Israelites had you killed? Zero. I can answer that one. Nick, easy, medium, or hard? Oh, please go with medium. Okay. What did Jesus say we must do to remember him until he returns? Uh, oh, God. I'm... <laughs> Communion. Communion is Good correct. Gravy. You are on the board, I was Nick. I to say foot washing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do that, too. Emmanuel would never remember Jesus at all if that was... <laughs> <laughs> he was called. All right, so we are. Uh, Emmanuel has the lead at nine. Chase, you are at eight, and Nick has two. Uh, so uh, I'm on the board. Thank God. Chase, easy, medium, or hard. I'm at eight. You're at uh, eight points. Yes. All right, I'm gonna have to get a three. So give me a three. All right. What did the Jewish leaders call? Why? Excuse me. Why did the Jewish leaders call Jesus a sinner? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but well, we're looking he... for the one in story 164 found in John 9:16. Oh, geez, um, because this is uh, this is specific, by the way. Yeah, his his disciples, um, he and his disciples ate uh, grains of wheat on Sabbath day. Good, close, but not correct. Uh, Anybody want to jump in here and still? Because he ate and drank. That is incorrect, Nick. Repeat the question because I. Oh, okay. I'm done. sorry. You were playing Pokemon. Why did Jewish leaders call Jesus a sinner? Very specific thing. Claim to be did. God. Uh, that would be correct. But in this healed instance, he healed people on the Sabbath. Okay. Uh, Emmanuel, to so you. So many different answers you can give yes. us. Easy, medium, or hard? Medium. Medium. Why? What did Jesus say would happen to the pure in heart? Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. They shall see God. That is correct. Well Emmanuel, done. you are at 11, so you are getting within striking distance of winning. Nick? I go bigger at home again. When three men came to visit Abraham, they looked like strangers, but who were they really? Angels. Hmm. Well, there were three of them. Do you, yes. You wanna, is that your final answer? 
Okay, I'm going to go over. Well, I guess they're, the story wants me to say they're the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but that would be. I wouldn't. No, the story's looking for a different answer. Oh, then I don't know. Anybody want to guess? God. And? Is it like all three were God? Yes. Well, I mean, it's the answer is the Trinity. I guess that's an it's an issue of interpretation. I see. I would. This is how this is how the book is the book children's storybook. Because you need to get a different book. Like, yeah. Don't let your children read that. What three? (laughs) What was your answer? I don't know because, like, according to the book, Emmanuel knows good theology. Not it was God and two angels. I don't know. I don't know that that's in the story, though. No, what? it's it's not. Um, that is. I, can I get support from the other two guys? I think that you can, I deserve. It is because the two no question. the two angels go on and the third man doesn't. Remember, the two angels go to Sodom and on to Sodom and Gomorrah, and the the third man doesn't. And how do you know that the third man is God? Well, you don't. But I mean, most people interpret that as a. I would say, okay, so Genesis 18, then Yahweh appeared to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre while he was sitting in the entrance of his tent during the heat of the day. He looked up and he saw three men standing near him. So I guess guess that leaves a little bit to interpretation. Um, Two of the men go on down into Sodom and Gomorrah, one does not. But it says three men. Never says it's angels. I'd get the points. Three men, and they were one of them was God, and two were angels. Chase says, "Give me the points." All right, and he is. The what did pastor. you say? Well, I, I said angels, but all right. Obviously, I, I'm going to give them to you since Chase is the pastor. I do know some people say that that was God and two angels. I've always that's what I have yeah, always interpreted not, that passage. It's not me. definitive in the text. Yeah, okay, is my point. Chase, Emmanuel. easy, medium, or hard? I guess I'll go hard again. I'm glutton for punishment. What was Saul's son's name? Jonathan. Correct. That was easy. That is three for Chase. So you are at uh, 11. Emmanuel, 14. you are at I'm at 14. 11. Hmm? What do we uh, have to get to? I gave myself some extra points. What do we have to get to? Uh, at, we're going to 15. You're at 15, 11. 15. Easy, medium, or hard? Medium. Uh, who was born first, Jacob or Esau? Uh, Esau. Esau is correct. Nick? Hard. What was the name of the blind beggar in the New Testament who kept shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me? Bartimaeus? That is correct. Dang, good job. We were both being, <laughs> me and Chase were both just waiting. I was watching his I lip. was trying we to call him waiting. Matthias, and I was like, nope, it's more syllables. I was Nick, about to mouth. Nick is up to eight points, Chase, Woo-hoo! although it's a little questionable. I thought Nick but anyway. say Bart Simpson, and me and Chase were <laughs> Chase. ready for Thank you, man. Chase, you going uh, hard I had, again? I had no faith in you. Yeah, hard. Okay, after David doesn't either. Haman died, what happened to Mordecai? Um, he was he was saved and elevated. Uh, that is We're going to stop you there and give you the points. He was promoted. Okay. So, Chase, you are uh let's see uh 6 9, 12, 13. You are at 14 points. You need one to win. Emmanuel, you are at uh, 9, 11. Wait, Emmanuel? 5, 7, 9, 11, 13. You need two to win. What was Haman's third cousin? That's your question. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go medium. For the win, if you get this, whom did King Nebuchadnezzar make ruler over the province of Babylon? (sighs) Oh. I don't know. Is he? Is he? 
Next segment. Daniel. Is he faking? Daniel? Daniel is correct. No, we're looking for Belteshazzar, <laughs> the Hebrew name. That was actually the Babylonian name. 15 to 14 <laughs> to right. 8. Yeah. Emmanuel has won the first rendition of the book and apparently last rendition because you have questioned the theology of the game. <laughs> he has won the first, <laughs> the first the book children's trivia game brought to you by whoever made the, the book. Coca-Cola. Tyndall or someone maybe. I had a simple strategy. Just go medium. Don't it worked. Should have started with me. Well, and get and, on the board. And you know what? It uh, worked out for you with that uh, victory. You are taking home with you a one-armed John the Baptist as soon as we find him. Whoa, that's a good prize. I was about to say. Well, we are not really going to give it to him because we don't know where it is. Okay, good point. All right, Chase. I'm going to kick it over to you after the successful game. There, you are going to lead us into the next segment. I believe. Thank you, sir. Bit of speaking things that aren't as they are. Right <laughs> And guys, now it's time for that game everybody loves to play. Big deal, little deal, or no deal. Who we never stole from anyone. This is something we made up. Especially not guys on ESPN named Mike. We did not steal it from them. Um, At least we didn't intentionally steal it from them. So, uh, I gotta have a little caveat here. I'm going to give you a quote. This quote has been attributed to our old friend, friend of the podcast, Stephen Furtick, but we are not able to find a place for where uh, Pastor Furtick actually said this. So uh, this is not going to be kind of a, a critique of him. We're going to critique the idea whether he said it or not. And so, so this is the quote. And uh, I'll let's see. We'll go to Emmanuel first. So. I haven't heard from Stephen in a bit. Have y'all? Uh, he's doing okay. He couldn't appear on today's show, so um, we got the general. Last time I saw him was uh, at the gym. We were working out, he pumping was some iron. Yeah, he was in town, and he just happened to come in the gym. I work out at. That's nice. Did you embarrass him? I, I mean. I had to. Well, I mean, they call him Pastor Bicep, so I had to show him who the real Pastor Bicep That's was. Good. That's good. All right, PB. I th- he, he, had, he, asked, he asked me how I got Title? how I got the, my arm so big. I told him it was from a armor bearing at the Hall of Dogma Church. Chase got a new iPad, and uh, it's so big. You're still pumped from using the uh, the extra iPad. Okay, good. Yep. All right, here's the quote. Again, we don't know if he said it. He said, supposedly said, we don't teach from books of the Bible because it gets in the way of evangelism. We don't offer different kinds of Bible studies because it gets in the way of evangelism. We don't teach doctrine because it gets in the way of evangelism. If you want to be fed God's word or have the Bible explained to you, then you are a fat, lazy Christian, and you need to shut up and get to work, or you need to leave this church because we only do evangelism. Except for right then when he was actually doing something that wasn't evangelism. Don't point out hypocrisy. Oh, it's sorry. not your turn. <laughs> my, my, my I bad. said Emmanuel was going to go first. Okay. Do you want to play I'm game? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Emmanuel, over to you. What do you think about this quote? Big deal, little deal, no deal. I know how to play mom. I'm sorry, Dave. All right. I'm... Is it a big deal, little deal, or no deal? <laughs> hey, mom, dad, please don't fight. I'm going to say. I'm waffling between little deal and no deal. I'm going to say no deal. Uh, for one reason, it's Stephen Furtick says it. He says a lot of things. Uh, but 
prediction number one is true. Continue. <laughs> but most importantly, I think he said it as a, you know how if you like hear something over and over again, you try to kind of, I guess, say something that's counter to what you're just used to hearing. And yeah. I think he's kind of saying that against some of the, I don't know, this resurgence of Christian uh, eggheadism, where it's like you've got to you got to preach expository, and if you ask somebody a simple question, they tell you to go read a book, you know. Well, let me let me uh, give you three resources to answer your question. And it's just like this, well, you've got to know so much doctrine and theology. And he's just like, look, we just, we keep it simple here, and we, we, uh, we focus on evangelism. You know, I think that's what he's kind of railing against. Um, so I kind of, I kind of dig it, so. No deal. No deal, says mm. the general. Over to you, Chaco. Nick? Um, I'll say little deal because I think, I think there is value in the discussion of um, overeating on, on doctrine at the expense of evangelism versus the compromising of, of strong doctrine uh, for sake of evangelism. It does not seem like um, – I, I, I just I feel like we live in a in a world of binary right now where you have to be in one camp or the other right and and I've seen two different camps posting this meme all over social media and one is the ultra conservative no one is as theologically sound as I am just ripping Furtick apart right and then I've seen the camp that's right get your head out of your book and out into the streets like and and they don't there is no substance right so it's 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 Far ends of a pendulum, and so I think it's worth a discussion because I do think too often we sacrifice one of the two things for the other. Hmm. Um, but you know, I don't know that it's a. I don't know it's worth a big deal, but it's a little deal to me. Okay. Uh, are we doing big deal, little deal, or no deal on the on the quote or on the kind of uh, supposed impetus quote, yeah, quote. on the quote? Essentially, doctrine yeah, gets not. in the way of evangelism. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think I think it's a big deal in the sense of uh, first of all, I, I happen to think it's presenting a false dichotomy. I don't. I think that making disciples is part of the process of evangelism. I'm not sure if that's the way that I want to say that, but I, I, I think the, the, the concept of, I mean, we're told to make disciples. So the idea that, well, okay, here's evangelism, and evangelism is pitted, pitted against uh, making disciples, where, no, the, the, the goal of evangelism is making of disciples. These two things, they should be separated and put in two different buckets that way. So I think that the teaching of evangelism, uh, the, the point of evangelism should definitely be to, to make disciples, which is going to involve the, uh, the, the teaching of doctrine. And, and, and I'm doing doctrine in terms of um, the, or, or basing that on the, I guess, defining it as, Studying God, uh, learning 
the truths and concepts of, of the Bible, which you need to do to become a disciple. I, I understand the separation that people put there, um, but it doesn't mean I necessarily agree with it. Now, a lot of that comes down to what does that look like for you in your church? So what do you mean by teaching doctrine? And I would say, okay, if you're if you're taking your time on Sunday morning and, and it's it's going through you know Grudem systematic theology uh, and, and and it is you know you are so advanced that you're never going back to kind of the basics of the faith and the base, basics of that gospel message uh, of Jesus and who he was and what he did I think that's incorrect but just to say hey we spend time in this church learning truths of scripture and what it means to follow Jesus, I think that should absolutely be tied into what you do. And I, I think it is hand in hand with evangelism, which is, in my opinion, making disciples. So there you have it. I think right. it's a big deal to, to, to pit the two between uh, against each other. Interesting. I, I'm going to take a, a bit of a middle of the road approach to it as well. There's some people who say that the church is not for lost people at all that you should and in fact i've heard people say this uh, recently that the the church is for only saved people and that all evangelism needs to happen outside the walls of the church and i, I, I say think that's similar to that okay, okay so uh, you the general kind of uh, agrees with that the other view is the the stephen furtick view which we were uh, maybe we can play this video or something like that or you can look it up but we were listening to it during the break between shows and Furtick essentially said this church is not for uh, – it, it's it's all about evangelism. It's not for saved people. Um, that there's, So there's two extreme views. The fact – in my view, I think the way Paul describes the church in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 is that the church is a place where discipleship and evangelism can happen and should happen. The lost people come in, hear the gospel, and they'll fall on their knees, and they'll they'll hear the gospel, they'll see the works of the Spirit, and they'll fall on their knees and say, Jesus is really among you. But also, people are getting exhorted, edified, built up, encouraged, etc. So we have, a, we have a church in our community uh, that is based on the name, strictly focused on the teaching of doctrine. I think that is not – I think that is an incomplete view of the church. If there's a church that is strictly focused as as Elevation Church apparently is according to, to Pastor Fardick, it's strictly focused on evangelism and seeing people come to Jesus. I think that is a missing of the purpose of the church. So I, I think the church is and should participate in – what we call evangelism, that is people coming to Jesus, and what we call discipleship, that is the teaching of the deeper truths of the Christian faith. That's my take. So I'm middle of the road on the Furtick quote, whether he said it or not. I think it's I think it's a little extreme. Uh, I, I honestly think it's a deviation from what the church is. And, and if he really did say it, say it or whoever did say it, I think it's a little obnoxiously put. Um, well, you said we weren't allowed to do that. We were. I said if. Okay. Look, Hypothetically. Here's. Uh, yeah, and, and I agree with you that, that it's extreme, but I think it was extreme on purpose, is what I'm saying, because he was talking against something. I think he had something very specific uh, in mind. So I just couldn't. No, well, and we're hindered by not being able to. For the, for the purpose of making a point. Yeah. Yeah. 
we're hindered by not being able to kind of hear it in context. But there's there's um, a church that I'm familiar with uh, in our area that I've never attended, and uh, certainly uh, this is not me speaking against that church um, because you know as far as I know the leadership there they love Jesus they're trying to do a good work. Is it? Uh, we're, we're not supposed <laughs> to talk about the community name because we are hidden location. Hidden location. Anyway. What I hear all the time is, okay, well, we don't do doctrine, deep teaching uh, on Sundays. We save that for later in the week in small groups and what oh. have you. I know what church that however, is. However, what, what this allows to happen in, in what I have seen in, in the, the practical is that no, that assumes that all the people that come on Sunday morning are eventually going to go into your small groups when they're going to learn – deeper things but they don't do that and yeah. they they are able to go and just sit on sundays and hear kind of either the same thing over and over or just a you know kind of superficial level message because we're trying to do evangelism and and introduce people to jesus but the people are just kind of using them I and that's their church gathering other week and they're not they're not learning they're not going deeper and I think it even allows them to be comfortable in their sin uh, for a long time because they never have to deal with uh, deal with anything. So I, I, that's my concern with the approach, and, and I've heard many churches say that. It was like I had someone I know made the comment about their church was, you know, Sunday morning is not about us. Sunday morning is not about the church. Sunday morning is about you know people who don't know Jesus and. I, I have a lot of concerns with that approach um, from the stance of people not being able to go deep. So I, I don't think doctrine's the enemy, and it just, to me, feels feels like that's what is being made out there, is doctrine's the enemy. Nick's pondering. I can't decide if I want to get in the ring with me. Respond. I, Oh, I have no problem getting in the ring with you. I got a super fight, kick, fight, fight, and a code breaker waiting on you. <laughs> I love swan the code time off the off the ladder. I love the swan You're time too, um, dude. You just you just had like a three piece chicken snack, a fry, and a chocolate milkshake. You ain't swan time nothing. Oh, I don't I don't think you're supposed to say that. What Nick's on? Remember Chaco's on a diet. <laughs> See, that's that's called dry snitching. You are. Am I going to get shot? What? Can I finish the show first? I don't know, Nick. Get, no, whoa, oh, that was that, that was that was that was bad. Okay, take too long Splunch. to get to <laughs> oh Chase is really trolling the Hall of Dogma. You guys will be welcome when these actually release, but right now they're probably really happy with us. When you point at me and do that, <laughs> I swear. Honestly, By the moon and one the stars, day I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hit him with Please, with the dude. bell with the bell. I would, love, I would love a good fight. <laughs> All right, so I don't think we have time for the next segment. Oh yeah, of, we do. Uh, I mean, it's, it's nine o'clock. Just and we have go. Like fifty segments up. Okay, so recently the fans uh, are of the show living. Donald Trump. We has, weren't we weren't going to use his name. Go ahead. Friend of the show, the president. <laughs> we'll just call him by a nickname. How about that? Has signed into law some 
some regulations that, according to some, and not according to others. How many times did we say, hey, we could just do that story without ever mentioning any current political leaders. We could just talk about the story. This is the same guy that goes, hey, David, when you do like this, does it mean like (laughs) – Look, you guys are looking a little sleepy. I gotta, I gotta shake things up. What was that word you used earlier for what I was doing? Gesticulation. Yes. Okay. Wild gesticulations. All right. So I'm gonna Google that. Apparently, here, long story short, pastors can now talk more politically. This is a w- without fear of reprisals from the IRS. This is a big deal, little deal, or no deal. Is that Over- a for sure thing? What is that for sure thing, or it's something they want to do? Actually, well, no. He signed it into law. I don't really think it changes anything. Okay, but that's the the spin is it allows for more freedom. The fact of the matter is the IRS was not really prosecuting pastors to begin with. It's not a big deal here at the Hall of Dogma Church because we're not a five hundred one c three. We can talk politics all we want. Uh, We don't do that, but we don't. Generally speaking, David, broad spectrum. Do you think this is a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Oh, wow. Um, well, that's a good thought. Over to you, Nick. A gesticulation, by the way, means a dramatic gesture used to emphasize one's words. Oh, that's kind of what you're doing. You're like, come on, speed up. We need to go to the next segment. Yeah. So I think it's potentially a big deal, uh, and, and I think it's a bad idea. So I, I, I just – I don't – I am not a fan of pastors from the pulpit getting involved in uh, – Politics and telling people who they should vote for or not vote for. If you're doing your job as a pastor and you're teaching the Bible, people will be able to use what you are doing to make good judgments on their voting choices. And I think getting political, whether the government tells you you can or not, is just a slippery slope, and it's going it, to it takes the church down a road that the church was not uh, designed for. So I think it's potentially a big deal because I think it would be a bad idea if a lot of pastors started doing this. That's my take. Do you think pastors should be able to ask members of their congregation to rate and review their podcast, especially with a five-star review? No. Yeah, I think that's fine. Okay. Split opinion there. Over to you, Nick. So as I understand it, this legislation – Wow, y'all! What just That's happened? A new word. What, y'all, what happened? Is that German? Uh-uh, no, no, hey, I inherited this from you. Grab some more episode. of that chocolate <laughs> shake, Nick. The legislation allows pastors to officially endorse political candidates. That's that's the nature, yes, of this. And so, and it's from the pulpit. So in the in the past, could you have done this from your Facebook page or Twitter page or anything else? Yes. Okay. So I don't see why anything should change because politics should be out of the pulpit as it pertains to a single man. The, the pulpit is for preaching God's word. It's for for preaching the gospels, edifying the church. It's to bring people to repentance. It has it shouldn't have anything to do with politics. Now you may have to deal with political issues, such as the homosexual debate right now, the the cakes and the bakeries and things like that. And, and those issues may be in the pulpit, but a political candidate, I don't see why they're that's in your Sunday morning. Address from the pulpit, anyway. All right. So so, so far, we got two guys that are against pastors speaking of politically from the pulpit. Over to you, the general. I, I'm with Nick and uh, David. I do think it's a potentially big deal. Um, unless you're a black pastor, then you know how your congregation is going to vote anyway. Um, <laughs> you're safe. Um, but one, like Nick's talking about, it's not your job to do that. And I also think that it. Uh, you kind of run the risk of poisoning uh, 
poison in the well, I guess, of your church. Because I, I, don't, I don't think I'd go to a church where the pastor was political in any kind of way, whether it was just from the pulpit or on his Facebook. Like, I stopped listening to podcasts because they were got too political. Uh, it just annoyed me so much. I'm like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to stop listening and potentially give you a bad review just because, you know. So I think you run the risk of alienating more people than necessary. And as a pastor, that's kind of not what you're supposed to do uh, unless you're alienating people with the gospel. Um, Otherwise, you should kind of, you know, make the gospel the main thing and not politics. Amen. All right. Well, it sounds like three of us uh, believe that pastors shouldn't speak on politics. I will say – Pause real quick. Okay. Show of hands. Who thinks Chase – goes, I'm going to say something controversial, but then says something not controversial at all. This is going to be a bit provocative, and then (laughs) it's going to be the most tame thing you've ever heard. All right. Unanimous decision. Go ahead, Chase. All right. I wasn't going to say that. Dang. Let's try. (laughs) What I was going to say is I I agree with all three of you. I'm not at all a fan of pastors uh, engaging with politics from the pulpit. Um, he is going to separate himself a bit, though, so that he stands out. I like it. Oh. Well, I mean, I don't think he's the government should regulate that one way or the other. Thompson, I, the I don't think the government should tell pastors what they can and can't do. Um, but, but again, it, look, I, I just I, I don't think the government should really interfere with what pastors can and can't do. Government uh, shouldn't step in, but pastors shouldn't do it. They shouldn't they do like. it. Yeah, yeah it's just, that's, it's, that's, that's it's just distasteful. As you guys said, that's not what that's not the business we're supposed to be about. Uh, we're supposed to be about something far more important than that. And yet you say, well, yeah, of course elections are important. But uh, no, the, uh, there's almost a level of interference with that that you're sort of abusing your position if you're telling people precisely how to vote, I guess. All right, that wraps up BDLD for another stellar episode. Now we I understand we have some sort of listener feedback and story time. We do. Um, Which is a little odd because we haven't podcasted in a year. This one's must have been um, the, the masses. Psychic, psychic the, Alex. Yeah, the masses <laughs> demanded our return, and um, they have been they've been craving this. And so we we have well, we really only have this one item in backlog of content to from listeners, but we do have listener feedback for this show. And so this is um, longtime friend of the Gospel Friends, Alex, with a ghost story. A hmm. ghost story. Hmm. What is this show about anyway? Ghosts. Welcome, gospel friends, to Alex's Campfire Ghost Story segment. <laughs> All right, so we've got a, a good one today that actually takes place in the Hall of Dogma Church. Whoa. Now, I love scary stuff. I love horror movies. I love being creeped out, but I'm also a realist, so... Anytime anything like that happens, I can usually put some logic behind it. But this is the only thing that's ever happened in my entire life that I've not been able to put any logic behind for the life of me. So back when me and another Hollow Dogma, Dogma member, oh, well, actually two of them, Chris Ledbetter and Eli Brown, shout out to those guys, used to be in a Christian band, and our practice space was at the Hollow Dogma in a uh, in a room that that wasn't used. And uh, Nick used to help us put on shows there, so we would uh, our band would play, and we would have other bands play with us, and we would raise money for um, for charities and and whatever else. So um, Chris and I went to set up the church for a show the next day. It was a Friday night. It was very late. It was uh, midnight, if not later. 
uh, we had keys because our practice space were there. So we were the only ones there. We locked the doors behind us because that church is is very scary. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we started setting up. We started uh, um, moving chairs out of the sanctuary. Um, if you've never been there or don't know what it looks like, the sanctuary is a very, very big room, very open, very high ceilings. Um, and then it's got all the chairs in the uh, in the middle and the podium and stage up front. And uh, our practice room was on the opposite side of the sanctuary that we came in. And uh, the next the next day we were going to have the show. And then the next day after that, we had another show in Montgomery. And then we were recording that week. So I was starting to clear out my car because we were going to load up our gear the next day. So I had a basketball and a football in my car. So I remember taking those out and taking those into the band room and setting them down on a table and I vividly remember this because I remember them starting to roll off the table so I grabbed them and I put them up against the wall and I put stuff around them so they wouldn't roll off the table so I leave the room I shut the door and Chris and I go about our business moving the chairs out of the sanctuary so later on I go to go back in the room and I can see Chris out of the corner of my eye pushing chairs he's maybe 15 feet from me and when I put my hand on the doorknob to open the door, when I touch the door, something hits me in the back. So I whip my head around, no one's there, and I look down and my football is rolling away from me. The football that I had put in that room on the table and closed the door hit me in the back and was rolling away from me on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, when it hit me, I looked right around and looked around and no one was there. And like I said, this is a big open room. Um, the doors are real heavy. No, no door shut. The, the big heavy swinging doors weren't moving. Nothing. There were, there was nobody around. And just kind of in disbelief, I, I looked at Chris and I said, Hey, did you just throw this football at me? And he said, no. And I explained to him that it had just hit me in the back. And that I had already put that in the room and shut the door. And then he started getting freaked out. So, you know, as teenagers do, we armed ourselves and went and patrolled the church room to room. Armed and I, of course, grabbed my weapon of choice from the kitchen. There we go. A potato masher. Ready That's to good. mash That's those good. That's good. Yeah. So we went room to room, every room in the church. The doors were locked. If you had the outside mixer, doors were locked. And no one was in that church but us. And I, I think about it all the time, and there's before. just there's nothing that I can think of to explain how that would happen. How my football that I had put in there could hit me in the back like that, and I whipped around and, and nobody was there. So, hmm. after all this, the question for the gospel friends is: Are ghosts possible? And if so, what scripture backs it up? Okay. Before before we answer the question, which is are goes possible, and if so, what scripture backs that up? I just I just want to say that um, I I think that young Alex is is mistaken because I, I have been down here at night many 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 times, and I've never seen anything odd. It is every time I come down here, it is just uh, you know it's me and and Earl and and Earl's. I mean, he's never mentioned to me seeing anything odd. So I I think Alex is just, you know, is just mistaken. David, hmm? who's Earl? 
the, Are you talking about the old the overnight, caretaker? The overnight janitor. The, he, David, he died in 2011. That, the guy that he said you hired him. I did in 2007. I just saw him yesterday. Okay. Nope. He wears kind of like older clothes. Yes, he Like from the 1800s, I've never, which I've always thought was a little weird. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> okay. So, anyone ever been creeped out by the Hollow Dogma Church late at night? Oh, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story. And Nick apparently has one too. Oh no. See, okay. This is where I've I've got a I've got you on the record. Okay. Because at the time, Old Man Thompson lived in the Parsonage, which is on the same property, and he had a habit of Chase keeps what you would call no set hours at all. Um, the the young <laughs> That's the, technical the young teenagers whatever <laughs> bankers hours are, it's like bankers hours that have been blown up. Yeah, by if 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 bankers hours partook liberally in the substance y'all accuse me of loving um this would be yeah that's true that's true <laughs> okay so chase knows no hours these guys already talked about being here in the middle of the night and chase used to mess with these guys so i am sure see i've always thought chase went ninja mode and he was down here messing with these guys because he knew they were loading in and he just he was trying to mess with them because they've they've said the church was haunted for years and so I'm still sure this yeah. was Captain Crunchy messing with the guys. On the record, was this or was this not you? On the record, it was not. All right. I've done it a couple of times. Each time I messed with the guys late at night. Uh, one time they were in their, their their band room practicing, and I scratched the door several times. Yeah, and I see, stuff like that. Hiding. Uh, but in this particular case, no, 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 it was not me. Um I, I, but I, but I'll tell you, my first year at the Hall of Dogma Church, which was 2008, um, I uh, I kept regular office hours, and I was usually the only one here. And so, if I had kept some irregular hours the night before, I was up late. Sometimes I'd walk into the sanctuary during the middle of the day and sit down on the couch, take a little uh, take a little cat nap. But I got out of that habit really quick because. There are some weird, weird sounds in the sanctuary, day or night. Probably because it's a metal building, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't keep out office hours here anymore. I've never seen anything particularly weird here, but it sounds funny. It sounds funny frequently. It's interesting. It's an old uh, Butler building. Lots yeah, of metal. It's creaky. All right, Not so I'm creepy. Creaky with a K. All right. Here's the question that's before us, round round the table. Are ghosts real? And if so, uh, do you have a Bible passage to um, to back that up? So we'll go over to Emmanuel. <clears throat> the only Bible passage that comes to mind is uh, Witch, of, Witch of Endor. Yeah. Uh, Conjuring. Samuel for Saul. Um, that's the only thing I can think of about. But, and I know our Reformed brethren are going to cringe when I say this. Uh, everything's not in the Bible. Uh Bible doesn't talk about laptops. <laughs> so just yeah. because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean that it's not true or that it's not real. Um, There's some updated versions out there. Do you do you buy the updated yeah. versions? <laughs> the new NIV may have it in there. 
they take some liberties. Uh, you know. And, and Jesus read uh, Isaiah, and then he sat at the iPad down and, <laughs> and sat down. Uh, so I, it's kind of hard to, to justify that, but of what we think of ghosts. But the Bible is very clear that spirits exist, evil spirits. And I do think that ghost sightings or whatever are just evil spirits messing with people. I don't think they're actual disembodied people. Um, so, All right. So uh, that's my take, essentially. It's like I, I, I don't believe uh, – to, to me, it depends on your definition of ghost. It, it's – and if you say, well, you know, ghost as in spirits, uh, then I would say, okay. Uh, uh, but my uh, explanation of that would be a spiritual realm that we don't know a lot about, and uh, specifically demons and demonic uh, activity, uh, and that would be the explanation for spirits. I don't believe there is – I actually think the evidence of someone dying and then uh, haunting or being, as you said, disembodied and is, is just – I actually think that is anti-Scripture. This is the Bible uh, says that um, you know it is to each person uh, appointed uh, death and then judgment. And, and so I, I, I don't think there's a middle ground or a, a, a middle place, if you will – uh, for people to uh, haunt around. So now, are there are there spirits, as in demons, and as you said, demons um, wreaking havoc or messing with people? I would say yes, but you know, I think that's I think that's part of why the Bible so clearly says we shouldn't play around with things uh, and, and shouldn't be trying to contact the dead. And I think seances and even games games that just um, you know, are supposed to be harmless, but that involve speaking to dead people. Uh, I think at best you conjure something up, it's a demon. And it, it, that demon may say he's your, you know, since past Grandpa Harry, but it's not Grandpa Harry, it's a demon. And you don't want to conjure up demons and be messing around with that. So um, that that's my take on it. Well, let, let me read you a quote here. I know what you're going to do. You quoting the Bible? Well, you quoting Jesus? No. Oh. Therefore, we should know that all those ghosts and apparitions which are seen or heard, especially with rumbling and rattling, are not the souls of men, but surely devils who are playing either at deceiving people with false claims and lies or frightening, or at frightening and afflicting them in vain. Therefore, a Christian should act toward these ghosts who pretend to be souls no differently than toward the real devil. He should be equipped with God's word and faith so that he is not confused or frightened, but remains with the doctrine he has learned and confessed from the gospel about Christ and cheerfully despises the devil with his rattling. Who said that? Spurgeon. Close. Sort of close. That was going to be my guess. Um, Sam Sessa would know. So it's a Lutheran. Yes. Luther. It's Martin Luther himself. No, he definitely did believe in the devil and... Yes, he did. He believed in ghosts and apparitions. He he credited, but but not as dead people, but as manifestations yeah. of Satan uh, or or de- the demonic. And so, 
couple of verses. Ephesians six twelve. our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. My take is I don't believe in ghosts in the sense of dead people come back as spirits. I do believe in spiritual beings that mean us harm that could broadly be included in the realm of forces of darkness or demons. I I honestly think there's more to it than angels and demons. Apparently there's a more of an organization and variety than that. Uh, But I just think we, we see through it so dimly. I will say, as I've said before, Jesus had multiple times to tell the disciples that there's no such things as ghosts because he's, they thought he was a ghost twice. Uh, the most he told them was a ghost doesn't have flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to me that he didn't say there's no such thing as ghosts. And I suspect that doesn't mean that people could come back from the dead. I suspect it does mean that there are spiritually evil creatures that we don't know or understand that probably do behave in a ghostly manner because they're spirits that would be along the lines of my belief as well good job anything to add nick no it's it's an echo of exactly you the one question i have is and chase you've mentioned this before but it was after the resurrection um i believe it was you that's mentioned this and there's talk of the undead um Uh, yes walking yes so I mean, can you speak to that for just a second? Well, that's the zombies in the Bible. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, because that's on the subject of the supernatural, it is worth mentioning. According to Matthew, when Jesus died, um, dead saints came out of graves and walked around Jerusalem. Now, somebody like Michael Lacona, who's one of the top apologists out there, who works with Gary Habermas and in every other way is a sort of a biblical inerrantist. He thinks that particular detail is a later addition to Matthew and probably legendary. What's your take on the saints coming up when Jesus died? It's in the Bible. I believe it. That's my take as well. I think it happened. And it's weird. (laughs) Yeah, well. So what do you think that, I mean – not, where are they now? Like, what happened then? That's a great question. They died again. I, I, that's yeah. my suspicion. They died again. But we, what we're talking about is what we would call zombies. I don't think they were ghosts. I think they were reanimated bodies. Right, and that's where this gets tricky. For I mean, not tricky, but that's where this kind of is like, all right. Like, I don't think whatever threw the ball at Alex was that. <laughs> Probably um, not. But, you know, it's, it is interesting because there's some degree of precedent for the idea of ghosts. But I'm more inclined I don't think there were zombies, though, in, in the sense of The Walking I, Dead. I've always thought it was it was like a, it was like a Lazarus type of. They were raised from the dead for a time, and just like Lazarus, they died a, died again, died later. Which actually throws a bit of a the, the passage from Hebrews. I think it is that says it is appointed to men to to die once to die, and then judgment. That's interesting. Except for Lazarus and and these guys and these guys. So, yeah. so the passage itself is Matthew twenty seven fifty two. The tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. And there's nothing else after that about those saints. Yeah, when there's something in the Bible you don't want to believe, you uh, 
say it was an addition or it was cultural. That's what you. Yeah, that's later that's, addition or cultural. And you can, or the canon was closed and it didn't apply anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, Alex, thank you for uh, contacting us. We hope that um, uh, other people will do the same. And you can reach us at, um, you can email us, thegospelfriends at gmail.com. Or if you would like to appear on the show like Alex did in voice format, you can leave us a voicemail. Nick, I'm not looking at the show doc, so I'm going to try to do it from memory. Oh, five, never mind. I'm just going to let you do it. Two zero five five seven five. Don't remember. <laughs> Nine seven three five. <laughs> but they can also go to Speakpipe. There you go. Speakpipe. P i p e. Smoke if you oh, have yeah. them. Speakpipe dot com forward slash the Gospel Friends. You can leave us a voicemail. That would be especially handy for some of you international listeners who might Livers. want to tell us your aberration. Stories is that a word? Apparition, apparition, apparition. Stories yeah. from uh, across the pond or other large bodies of water. All right, a couple more segments left. We have a main topic coming up. But before then, Chase, I understand we have an important vote that we need to uh, get out of the way uh, for episode one hundred and three. We do indeed. Uh, back in the day, early in the history of the show. We inducted some superheroes and villains into the Comic Book Hall of Shame, current members of the Comic Book Hall of Shame. And to just refresh you guys' memory in case you've kind of forgotten, these are heroes or villains who either have a ridiculous backstory, a ridiculous power, or a ridiculous appearance, or all of the above. So current members of the Comic Book Hall of Shame, according to the Gospel Friends, are Aquaman. Lame. Who I actually like, but he is a little lame. Arm fall off boy, who I believe who, is the president. Who would actually take his arm off and beat people with it. That's right. Okay. What was the sound his arm made when he took it off? Plorp. 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 Very Which famously. was something that we said early on in a lot of the episodes. Yes. And then Chase made a stop. I made a stop. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You made a stop. Why? Uh, it turned out Plorp was a. Some oh, kind of a, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so moving right along, Matter Eater Lad, whose superpower was the ability to eat uh, things. Lady Stilt Man, who I don't remember anything about beyond that name. Egg Fu, which is a quite racist Chinese-looking egg. And Armless Tiger Man, who is a hero um, that kicks very hard and bites very hard, but as the name might imply, does not have arms. Okay. Those are current members. We can accept two new members, and I'm going to very quickly tell you who you're going to vote on. Top two. My power will astound you. Observe as I detach my limb. Blorp. <laughs> yeah, still weird. What a great callback. All right, guys, here's our candidates to add. We can add a maximum of two, or we can reject all of these. Candidate number one is Danny the Street. Danny the Street is a fictional character in the DC universe. He is quite literally a road. Sometimes he appears as something other than a road, but he is a living, sentient road. His power is he can integrate himself into any city that he wants to. So candidate number one is Danny the Street. Candidate number two is Rainbow Girl. Now, Rainbow Girl's power is that she 
wields the power of the mysterious emotional spectrum, resulting in unpredictable mood swings. Why does she call herself Rainbow Girl? And, and not just a woman. Just girl. <laughs> that is a interesting question, gentlemen. Our next candidate is Squirrel Girl. Now, in addition to having enhanced strength, speed, squirrel. and agility, Squirrel Girl also has the power of being able to speak to... Squirrels? Squirrels yeah. is correct. Could, we don't diss Squirrel Girl around my house now. You, you a big Squirrel Girl fan? I am, and she's about to have her own show on Freeform. Yeah, Squirrel Girl actually pretty prominent. She's pretty popular. Yeah, she is. She is she's, indeed. Because she's funny. So she is she's funny. Kind of, Good personality. We might not want to vote her into the, the Hall of Shame. However, Floronic Man is somebody we might strongly consider the thing about Floronic Man, in his original form, he had a great knowledge of botany, but one day he absorbed the powers of a particular plant. Can anybody guess what that plant oh, might let be? Me guess. What's a plant we talk about a lot on this show? Nick. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, pot. <laughs> pot is correct. Floronic Man absorbed uh, marijuana and became sort of a sentient marijuana type being. With hair like I'm seeing right now across the table from me. Nick's hair was making two points at the top. <laughs> I believe our last candidate is Big Bertha. Big Bertha during the day is Ashley Crawford, a supermodel. But when she suits up as Big Bertha, she has the supernatural ability to add hundreds of pounds of fat to her frame, mm. making her super strong and near invulnerable. When so, Bert, Big Bertha bursts through windows, she makes the sound splanch, which is very reminiscent of another friend of ours. When it's time for Big Bertha to return to her normal size, she throws up all oh. that fat. So basically, she's an American housewife. When you meet her, she's well, like a supermodel, and then you get married, and she blows up. Uh, wow. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the general. Uh, you can reach him at the general at <laughs> he Big Bertha. Give a Big Bertha has her own action figure. Yes, she does. Holy moly, look at that. Uh, By the way, Big Bertha is a sometime member of the Avengers. Really? Yep. Yeah, let's bring um, her into Infinity War. Or at least part of the Avengers canon. All right, guys. So you've got some an Infinity Stone? Or? We've got some great candidates there. Uh, we also have He, She, who is half man on his right side, half woman on her left side. And the way he, he she is a vil, super villain, he, she lures people in by showing the female side. And when somebody comes in expecting a female, he, she turns around and becomes a male and beats up the unsuspecting Mark. It's like uh, the reverse Bruce Jenner. Uh, apparently so. Um, and that's a real comic book character. Yeah, apparently it's very old, too, because I'm yes. looking at like a picture. That's an old one, yeah. Uh, so this is not um, – uh, Although I found an article of the six, uh, the six most bizarrely offensive comic book supervillains. Sounds about right. Um, okay, so how are we going to do the vote here? Uh, you call out your top two, each guy. By the way, Armless Tiger Man is also on that list of six. As well he should be. Yeah, offensive supervillains. So here's our candidates. Big Bertha, Danny the Street, Rainbow Girl, Squirrel Girl, Floronic Man, and He, She. David, who do you want to add? Um... I am going to vote for uh, 
Bertha, Big Bertha, I believe, deserves a place in our uh, egg food, by the way, is on that list as well. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Big Bertha and um, He She. Big Bertha and He She. Over yeah. you to you, Nick. I've got to go with, with Hindsight Lad because I just – that reminds me of a character from a Aaron Sorkin movie, Peripheral Vision Man, and it just – well, we didn't actually talk about Hindsight Lad, but I will tell you his powers. He has the ability to do research at a high level. Way to um, way to um, vote, Nick. Uh, it, he is, in fairness not, to Nick, he is on the list. I just oh, okay. Short. You just never yes. talked Hindsight about Hindsight Lad has the powers to do research at a high level. That's his power. Impressive, eh? So, Nick, Hindsight Lad, and who who else? Uh, Miss, Miss Bertha. Big Bertha. To. Have you have you I seen like Bertha? Have you seen Hishi? Is Hishi? I actually thought Bertha would have not been. Well, able to look, it's a, it's an honor to get in the comic book hall well, of shame on the Gospel Friends. Arm I mean, fall off boys in there. I mean, that tells here's you all the you need here's to know. the thing: if if we it's don't put deal. you in the Hall of Fame, no one's going to be talking about you. Precisely, no one's talking about arm fall off boy except us. So it's it's an honor, Emmanuel, to be in this in this group. I'll share, share that as you vote. Maybe a dubious honor, but an honor nonetheless. Yeah. Who are you going with? Uh, definitely Danny Street. Danny the Street? Mm-hmm. And Rainbow Girl. Danny the Street? Who I can't differentiate between Rainbow Girl. And that's over to me. And I am going to choose Big Bertha myself. <laughs> and I'm going to go along with me. You're voting for three people? Danny the Street. Big Bertha, yourself, and Danny the Street? Oh, no. I've inadvertently put myself into that. And tallying up the votes. That Large head boy. With Big Bertha and Danny the Street, new members of the Gospel Friends comic book Hall of Shame. You're not going to give me anything on your nickname? I'm going to give you a silent, hard stare. How about that? And so Big Bertha and, flexed fist and Danny the Street. This is right. really happening, man. Wow. I'm sorry. Nice. Well, congratulations to the 2017 entries into the Gospel Friends comic book mm. Hall of Shame. Um, Squirrel Girl, by the way, is fairly popular on the internet. Indeed, and we managed to keep. So I her think out. she's made popular by the fact Anna Kendrick was attached to that role. No, no she was popular before the end. Like I knew who she was. No idea who that is, but yeah. you don't know who Anna Kendrick is. No, I don't either. I'm just kidding. I do. All right, guys, one more segment. I don't know why I'm hosting all the segments today. I would rather do color commentary than host. But You said before the show, guys, this is my show, and I'm doing all the segments. And if you don't like it, you can leave, and I'll do the show by myself. Remember your impersonation of David for the first 100 episodes of the show? (laughs) I tried to get you guys to host these, and you said you didn't want to read the articles. You know what? I had to host them. I put us on the map. Yes, you did. Wait, how did you do that? What he just said. Okay. Most people, when they send me email at, you know, revverbage at thegospelfriends.com. Yep. I mean, the the comments I get back is, hey, when are you guys doing the Rev and Friends again? Okay. Well, that's good. What's going to happen if people send you email at that address, like, going forward? Um Rev verbiage at the gospel yes. it, depends if, it depends on whether or not Nick adds that to the server <laughs> real quick. <laughs> okay. This is back to a serious swing. This is from a Denny Bark article 
that was put out May 9th of 2017. Hey, does Big Bertha and Danny the Street get anything? They get a medal. Okay. I'll, I'll grab some from the closet. Made of one. aluminum. Okay. All right. Go so ahead. That's pretty good. So Denny Burke quotes David Gushy, and I, I hope I'm saying his name correctly. If, I don't know if you guys know David Gushy. He is a scholar who is up until recently considered broadly evangelical. Um, approximately three years ago, Gushy, Dr. Gushy came out in favor of same-sex marriage, same-sex relationships, etc., um, he initially believed that those opposed to homosexuality in the church and those for homosexuality in the church could cooperate together, work together, etc. But more recently, David Gushy made this quote, and Denny Burke agreed with him. And so what I'm going to do is uh, I'll go to Emmanuel first. I'm going to read these quotes, and then I'll ask, do you agree with this conclusion? Dr. Gushy, who is pro-homosexual relationships among Christians and whoever, says this, I now believe that the incommensurable differences in understanding the very meaning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the interpretation of the Bible, and the sources and methods of moral discernment separate many of us from our former brethren, and that it is best to name these differences clearly and without acrimony on the way out the door. I also believe that attempting to keep the dialogue going is mainly fruitless. The differences are unbridgeable. They are articulated daily in endless social media posts. And this is what Denny Burke says, who is believes the Bible forbids homosexual relationships. He says, Gushy is absolutely right about this. We do have incommensurable differences, and the differences are indeed unbridgeable, which is the key word for this discussion. On the one side are traditionalists who believe that homosexuality is a sin. On the other side are the revisionists who believe that homosexuality is not sinful. The differences between the traditionalists and the revisionists go right to the heart of what it means to be a Christian. If the traditionalist side is correct, then there can be no fellowship between the true church and revisionists because the revisionists have revised themselves right out of the faith. So what do you guys think? Can there be fellowship cooperation between biblical traditionalists who say that homosexuality is a sin and progressive Christians who say that it is not a sin? Can there are, – are the differences indeed unbridgeable? Over to you, Emmanuel. I think they are, and, and, I, and I think the main reason is because I really – I mean I've heard the different, uh, the different um, interpretations of why the traditional uh, uh, view on homosexuality is wrong and all this, and they try to go into the language – but if you ask any Greek scholar worth their salt or Hebrew scholar, the language is just pretty simple. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. And so to, to arrive at the position that the Bible is saying anything else than what it says, you have to do some either hermeneutical or, or, or interpretive gymnastics or you just have to deceive yourself for the sake of popularity. And I think that people who say that, that's what they're really, what they're really doing is, well, this is popular now. 
and I want to be on the right side of history. And so I'm just going to roll this way because there's probably more opportunity for me financially. There's probably, you know, I can hang with the cool kids. You know, it's, it's more of a peer pressure than actual biblical interpretation. And I feel like that's what, that's what's going on. And I, and that's why I think you can't bridge the gap. It's because the Christians who hold the traditional view are just going to look at the other people like they're just they're compromisers, you know. And and as Romans one says, they're you know they're suppressing the truth. They know what the truth is, um, but in, in for whatever reason they have, they've got a gay relative or a child, you know, or you know, it could help their career to be that guy that you get to be on CNN, you know, for <laughs> pastor affirms gay marriage, pastor affirms this. And, you know, it's good for business, uh, better for business than being the pastor who doesn't. So uh, I, I don't think you can bridge it because of the way that each side is going to view the other side. Next, either one of you guys. So we're talking cooperate. You said cooperation, then agreement. Either one. I, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of churches that cooperate with a lot of different doctrinal differences. Um, you know, for for whatever reason. Um, we well, let to, me ask you this way: Can traditionalists and revisionists be in the same church together? The same fellowship? Not for long. I don't. I don't think so for long, and it, because I think, I think culture. I, I think the. I'm sorry, not culture. I think the culture we live in drives this issue to the forefront so often that eventually there, the conversation is going to come up so often or in such a way that it, it forces you to pick a side. And at the point that that hard line is drawn in a fellowship, um, no, I, I don't think that 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 works anymore. Um, you know, I, I anyway, I think a lot of churches mishandle this issue in a lot of different ways. Um, but I think, again, it's that extreme issue. Like you've got the churches that are completely inclusionist. Hey, whoever you are, whatever you are, however you are, come on in. And they ignore sound biblical doctrine. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's people that are, you know, hey, when you get saved, you get the, the sin – that I don't like, not maybe the sin I have, but the sins I'm not comfortable with. Once you get those cleaned up, then you can come in. And, and I don't, I don't think we make it easy for the unsaved to enter our churches. And I, I think we've got to do a better job of that. Um, but no, if you're talking about the, the polar opposite ideals in one congregation, I, I think not for long. That's an interesting turn of phrase. Not for long. Go ahead, Riff. I. I, I don't think I agree. The, the I think in that sense of partnership, I think the Bible makes it unbridgeable. Like I don't think um, that that is something that we're supposed to strive toward. Uh, Ephesians five says to take no part in the fr- unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And so I think it is of the job of those who. Uh, believe in the Bible, its authenticity, uh, its uh, inerrancy, uh, and, 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 in, and in what it speaks, I think it is our job to expose the unfruitful works of darkness 
and I would say even especially those who try to uh, rewrite the Bible into what their interpretation is. Uh, when, when you are doing that, when you are trying to revise what the Bible teaches to make it fit your cultural or sinful argument, or even like Emmanuel said, some people are driven to this by emotion. They're driven to that point because they they have a family member who is turned in this direction, and and I don't think we should minimize that. I don't think we should. Uh, I think we should understand and we should grieve uh, and mourn with those who are mourning that and strive side by side with those people who've had family members uh, waver and walk down that path. But I, we can't. We can't rewrite the truth. We can't revise the Bible. And I believe those who do so, I think you have crossed over into heretical places. I think it is it is heresy. It is uh, wolves in sheep clothing trying to devour the church. So I think from a partnership perspective, the gap is unbridgeable and should be. I don't think we should try to bridge that gap. I don't believe we should uh, th- that we should try to have hand-in-hand fellowship with those who want to uh, rewrite what the Bible is saying and teach something that it doesn't. I think the Bible very clearly says we should expose them. I do want to say, though, that that even in the point of not bridging the gap with those people and being in partnership, I don't think we are called to be disagreeable. And and we've talked about this before on the show in previous episodes and the dangers of social media and argument uh, being argumentative. The Bible tells us over and over, you know, this Philippians 4, let your reasonableness be known to everyone because the Lord is at hand. Romans 12, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Uh, and and we, we are called to try to, as much as we can, be at peace with people. Um, Hebrews twelve fourteen kind of divides this or or kind of presents both sides of the picture, I think. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without uh, without which no one will see the Lord. So we are to strive for peace with everyone, but I think when we get to the place, when we get to the point and we get to the place that in order to be at peace with someone, we are going to have to agree with a lie and agree – with something that is unbiblical, then we can't go any further. We, we, we cannot go any further with someone. Uh, we can't go down that road with them if, if we're going to have to agree with something that is unbiblical or untruthful. But I, I think we should still strive to be reasonable people, and Christians should strive to be individuals who, if there is someone who believes, for example, that the, the Bible teaches... Um, that homosexuality is okay, I think you should be able to sit down and have a conversation with someone. Sure. I think you should be able to sit down and have dialogue with them. But partnership? No. Bridging the gap and trying to, to say, well, we're all, we're all brothers and sisters here. We just have a disagreement on that point. If you're trying to rewrite Scripture, it, it's, it's a dangerous, slippery slope, and you're not going to just do it in that spot. You're going to do it anywhere the Bible offends you, and the Bible is going to offend you in a lot of places. Good. It should. So, good input, good guys. Uh, this, this is what I'll say. I, I want to. I, I essentially agree with with what you guys have said. So I want to do this. Um, I don't know who all will listen to this podcast, but I know I myself have personally a lot of friends that are 
uh, of the homosexual persuasion and a lot more friends who are very positive towards the homosexual persuasion. Um, and and they might be listening to this right now and they're probably thinking, okay, you, you guys are incredible bigots. I want to explain to you what the biblical position on this issue is so that you know what the stakes are. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10 says this. Paul says, don't you know? That the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom. Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or anyone practicing homosexuality. No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. That is striking. That is serious. James 5, we talked about today at the Hall of Dogma Church, talks about if somebody wanders away from the truth, they are in deadly danger. And so here's the thing. It's not just homosexual people. It's, it's those who are living a lifestyle of sexual immorality, those who are living a lifestyle of, adult, of idolatry, those who are living a lifestyle of alcoholism, verbal abuse, adulterers, swindlers, and even greedy people, and those practicing homosexuality. Those people, according to the Bible, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and, and I've studied the grammar. I've studied the Greek. I've looked at it. It says it in multiple places in the New Testament. It, there is the way the Bible says that people cannot engage in homosexuality is so crystal clear in the Greek, in, in the English, in whatever language you want to say. So, if people who believe the Bible are going to agree with people who say homosexuality is okay, what we're doing, what we're running the risk of doing, is we're running the risk of telling people that a choice they're making, which according to the Bible makes them hell bound is okay. And that's terrifying. We can't tell greedy people that are living greedy lives that what they're doing is okay and God is pleased with it because that would be a lie and it's it's an incredibly dangerous lie. In the same way we can't tell those practicing homosexuality or sexual immorality or ev- or even verbal abuse we can't tell them that their lifestyle is okay. They need the gospel. They need to repent. Verbal abusers need the gospel. They need to repent. Those practicing homosexuality need the gospel. They need to repent if the Bible is true. And I believe the Bible is true unquestionably, and therefore I don't believe there can be partnership between revisionists and those who hold to the biblical teaching because the stakes are too high. The stakes are eternal life, and and I think that you know it's you almost get what Paul was saying in Galatians five. I mean, where you know you had these people who were traveling around teaching that you know what you you had to you had to be circumcised to become a Christian, like you had to follow this Jewish law, and you had to be circumcised, and and they're teaching a false gospel, so they're they're adding something to what the gospel is and what was being written and, and taught by the apostles. And, you know, Paul, at some point, he just says, you know what, I, I wish the agitators, I wish they'd just go all the way with it. There, there's part of you, part of me, when, you know, when you're hearing this, I, I just, I wish those revisionists would just go all the way and just denounce the Bible and just, hey, you know what, I don't believe this and walk away from it. Because to to do what they're doing 
it, it's like, why are you holding on to it? You don't believe the Bible as it's written. You want to revise it. You want to, you know, why not just go all the way and just say, I got anything to do with this. Yes. There, there's some reason that they're trying to hold on to it. There's some reason, and I think it's even more dangerous than, than someone who just outright denounces the faith. It's, it's trying to rewrite it from the outside. It's those teachers who are going to teach the things that people want to hear. There's always going to be crowds that are going to want to find those teachers and teachers that are going to want to find those crowds. And, uh, and it is, it, it's, there is no positive remark in, anywhere in Scripture about homosexuality. None. Not one single positive verse. And at the same time, the teaching from beginning to end is clear about what God's intentions were in creation. And, and there, there's no way you can read the Bible and, and with, with a true integrity walk away and say you believe the Bible promotes or allows homosexuality. It just doesn't. And, and no matter what kind of word study you try to do or twisting of the Greek you try to do or anything else, no one can read that with integrity and walk away and say, that's what we think it says. It just doesn't say it. At the same time, if you were, you know, if you're talking to someone or if you were someone uh, listening to this podcast who you struggle with those emotions and you struggle with that, uh, you know, that, that pull toward same-sex attraction, the hope is still the hope is is in the Bible, but the hope is not in rewriting it and trying to fit Scripture to to allow you to do the things that you want to do. The hope is actually in in, in there deeper than that. The hope is in that, that God has overcome what those fleshly desires are, and that the and that what God offers is far greater than the thing that we're attracted to do. I mean, it, it's far greater than that. So whether you're whether you're struggling with drug addiction or alcohol dependency or pornography, uh, or, or you know, same sex lust and or uh, homosexual same sex attraction, uh, um, I, I didn't mean same sex lust. I meant um, heterosexual lust. Uh, no matter what what that is that you're struggling with. What the Bible says is what God offers is far greater than those things. Those things can satisfy temporarily. They will be pleasurable temporarily. They will. I mean, we might as well just say it. Those things are are pleasing to our flesh. Sin is pleasing to our flesh. Cussing someone out is pleasing to your flesh, whatever it is. But it is a it is a temporal satisfaction that ultimately leads to destruction. And what God offers, even though it does require a denial of your flesh, what God offers is something that is far more satisfying, far greater, and leads to life and leads to, um, to eternal satisfaction. God is not the cosmic joy killer. God is against those things that will lead to the destruction of people. Yes. And God is... Uh, God offers something that is, is far greater, and, and, and don't buy into the lie that, that God is trying to keep you from that which is enjoyable or great by giving commands against sin. Uh, God wants to point you to something that is greater, and don't buy into the lie that the, the Bible needs to be rewritten to, uh, to approve those things that we want to do. The Bible is inerrant, and it is uh, 
perfect in his life for us, and it will lead you to somewhere that is that is far greater. So find a, a group of people to run with in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, and, and those who will walk with you through whatever the complexities of the, the struggles that you're dealing with, and and know that the Lord loves you and has offered a way to break free of that sin in Jesus and find something that is, that is far greater than it. To churches, too, though, treat sin as sin. And if you're going to call something sin, call it sin. But call what the Bible calls sin, sin, and call all of it sin. And treat, and treat again, whether it be heterosexual lust or homosexual lust, whether it be whatever these things are, treat them as the Bible says, treat them. And don't ostracize or elevate one sin to a level that the Bible does not. And mm-hmm. and if you're going to love someone who is going through a divorce, love someone who is wrestling with same-sex attraction. If you're, you know, call a spade a spade, call things what they are, but treat them the way the Bible calls us to treat them. Treat them the way you were treated when you were in sin too. And so that's that's the thing I think. For whatever reason, this is just the sin that we have chosen to set above all others right now, and and I I do think we make it harder than we should for people with this particular sin to and, come to fellowship and treat the gospel as the answer. Amen. The, you know, the gospel is the answer. Coming to Jesus is the answer. It's there's not a a fix for sin apart from that, and so prayer is not the last resort. The gospel is not the last resort. Uh, it is the first and, and, and primary and only way that someone can overcome their sin. Uh, I, we won't have time to talk about this tonight. Maybe it'll be interesting in another episode. But I did I did listen to a podcast the other day where someone was asked, why do Christians harp so much on homosexuality? And um, there there was a couple of answers this guy gave. Uh, and, and he did he did admittedly say it seemed like maybe there were there was an over – reach by churches and over um, uh, you know churches that were uh, I forgot how he put it but but essentially they did not approach this situation the same way that they would approach other sin situations and and we've we've talked about that many times are you going to welcome someone into your church who's struggling with homosexuality the way you would you know invite someone into your church who's struggling with drug addiction but he made an interesting point. And, and, and the point that he made was he didn't think Christians were the one harping on this as much as the media was harping mm-hmm. on this. And that that with the media making this issue what they're making it and continually bringing up you know, homosexual issues, same-sex marriage issues, and – really just trying to go out and seek people's responses to it and putting it out there that the church was really forced in kind to respond. That the church in general was not just they didn't wake up one day and just say say, hey, let's go out here and kind of stir this issue up and talk about it as much as we can. That really the discussion on podcasts and articles and blogs primarily is coming from the need to react to what the media is talking about. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's true across the board, but I think it was a good point. I definitely see a lot of that. I think every time we've talked about this issue at the church, in the pulpit, on this podcast, or in articles, it has been in response to 
the cr- cultural stirring and the media firestorm behind it. But see, that, that goes back to the, the word says we will be hated for his namesake. And, and we also have an enemy that is, that is crafty and is divisive, and he has found a button to push that I, I believe God will judge the church on how we handle this issue. And the, in the world in which we live, it is a contentious issue. And so, but we have to be prepared to be hated by the world for his name. And there are those who are scared to be hated for him. And and we've got to be. I mean, it doesn't matter where it's coming from. We've got to be ready for it. And we've we've had the warning for two thousand plus years. All right, good discussion, gentlemen. Um, I think the issue of homosexuality is the number one uh, is, is the number one. Thing that the Bible says is a sin unto death that is under attack in our culture right now, where people are suggesting that it is actually a good and blessed lifestyle choice. And that is why I think you find the church and the world both talking about it for so much, uh, such, mm-hmm. such a, a big time, because it's, uh, it's an important issue. And it's being talked about on both sides of the fence, so to speak. I do want to close out with this a prayer request that was put in the Hall of Dogma. Megan has asked us to pray for her sister who is undergoing uh, some significant difficult times. So, hmm. Megan, we are praying for your sister. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to let that wrap us up. Um, it was a good show. Thanks to the general for stopping by the Hall of Dogma, spending some time with us. Um. We we scheduled this as as two episodes. Um, to be honest and fair to the audience, we don't know when we'll be back. We do not plan on going on a year long hiatus. Um, we don't have a schedule, so um, but I don't think we're gone. So we've got the Hall of Dogma. Um, we we talk and joke about it. So hopefully, you know how to get there. Hall of Dogma dot com will take you to the Facebook group. Facebook dot com slash groups slash Hall of Dogma. Yes. Captain, Huh? I was just going to say I said this in the last episode, and I'm going to say it again. Uh, and, and I, you know, it's not pandering. You know, just the the, the small group of people, uh, those in the Hall of Dogma. Even tonight, uh, as we have, you know, we've talked about recording and we've posted some stuff in the Hall of Dogma and, and things like that. Um, you know, the 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 reaction from people, your support, encouragement, just to. Um, my wife leaned over at lunch and saw some of the comments, and she was like. So people really want to hear you guys. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? And so, I mean, just, you know, for, for letting us, you know, kind of be a part of your lives and for, uh, you know, spending your energy listening to the show, but also just for encouraging us to to come back. Honestly, had we not – had we never heard from you again, I don't think we would have done this again. I mean, it really was just seeing that that some of you actually missed – the show and 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 miss the with podcast with all its silliness with, yeah with everything i mean that that means a lot and and like nick said i mean uh, man if we could if we could if we could make our living doing this we would um but you know life like all of your lives are just it's uh, it's busy and you know there are things that we want to be able to do that sometimes we don't always have the time to do but please you know continue to uh you know, as you think about it, maybe send us that encouragement. I, I definitely think us hearing from you and and you, uh, you know, exhorting us uh, will actually hopefully lead to more episodes in the future. Kinda, and sharing it with keep your friends. Kind of keep that in front of us. 
Chase, how would they um, get us higher up in the – Oh, <laughs> yeah, some five-star reviews, Chase. Is that what you're saying? A couple of five – how many five-star reviews do we need before we record two more episodes? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That's, no. that's – hang on. Let me do some calculations here real quick. Um, seriously, though, if you listen to this, there's a lot of places to listen to podcasts, but if you go to the iTunes page, if you just search us – um, leave a positive review that that always helps spread the word too. So that'll yeah. never hurt. And if you're a new listener, I, I I would like to say you know if you if you're listening to this for the first time, either episode 102 or episode 103 in particular, we would like to hear from you. Yeah. we would like to yeah. hear from some people who have it. not listened to some of the older episodes and it, send us an email, thegospelfriends at gmail dot com. Yep. Let us know your name. Uh, let us know. Uh, you know, where you're from and, and how did you come across the podcast? Yeah. We, in particular, we'd love to hear from some new from some new listeners. So please send us that information in email if you would. Especially you folks in Japan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're very curious about our numbers in Japan. Yep. So we would, uh, you know, and if you could put it in English, I mean that would be even that would be even better. Yeah. But I mean, that if you help. send it to us in in. Japanese. That's the uh, we right got language. Google. We got Google Translate. Sure, we'll figure it out. And I've been to Japan, by the way. Um, I've been there and, and did some traveling there and, and loved it. It was great. There's a joke in there too. I was there for uh, the Japanese thir- chair. Thirty five. Thirty five minutes. It was awesome. <laughs> nice steak. All right. So Captain Crunchy also mans the Twitter at my gospel friends. Um, we mentioned the feedback, voicemail 205-575-9735 or speakpipe.com slash thegospelfriends. Uh, I think that's all the ways to contact us. do want to say thank you to Sean Lombard and Jeff, the funky stick man, Hendrix, for our intro and outro music, respectively. Uh, I can't say next week, but tune in next time when you may hear David say. Hey, Ferdick, could you pass me those 55s? Thanks, bro. <laughs> 55's Amateur Hour. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Yeah, that looks great. Is that <laughs> Edit point. <sighs> Sorry. Look, it's late. I had to preach today. All right. My powers will astound you. Observe as I detach my limb. <laughs> Who is that? That's arm, arm fall off boy. Yes, it is. All right. Uh, he sounds just like that. Three, two, Three, two. Wait, I wanted that to make the show. Well, okay, say it next. Three, two, one. Oh, I lost the quote. I can't do it. (laughs) 
Oh, here it is. Awesome. <laughs> You're hilarious. Choco Nick. <laughs> Nuclear Nick goes away when Narco Nick comes along, and Narco Nick leads to Choco Nick because he's got the munchies. <laughs> that's the way I. That's the way I view that progression. Got to punch you in the throat later. When you were saying no, you were just being funny, right? It wasn't recording at the time. Oh, so we good now? Yes. Here we go. Did y'all see the new plorp Three. in the hall? Two, no. Oh, I did see that. New Three, plorp in the hall? Two. Three, two. Where? Brought to you this week by Emmanuel's favorite group of people. It is good to have a manual. Oh my gosh! That's not my favorite group of people, by the way. But testing, 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 testing. You like that? Splotch. Hello. Jeez. Hello. 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 That's legit. Out of a Marvel comic book. Oh. That's the blob. I hate this thing. Okay. Is it working now? Can you hear yourself? Yeah. Decently. Three, two, one. <laughs> I knew you weren't going to do it. Well, I, some people, I'm seeing what. All right, are y'all done sniffing that coffin? Here we go. I've got a lot of stuff going on. Three, two. All right, here we go. Three. <clears throat> Brought to you this week by Chatty Police Officers. Another reason I'm not a Calvinist. Is- <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you said this. There's nothing that makes – there's nothing that infuriates me more than when you actually stomp on my intro. <laughs> no. Like, I'm fine. I was waiting for I'm like fine for minutes. the plate. Golly. And you let him get – I mean, you let him get a roll. That was brilliant. Look, when David gets mad, he's a better podcaster. Okay, I'll shut but up for it, real now. When you actually step on my, my, my real intro. Yeah, bring it's it. It's like he – never mind. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> Oh, and another thing. I really won't talk anymore, I promise. You really do have some congestion going on. Yeah. I feel like I live at Chase's house. Everybody's always sick. All right, go. (laughs) I can't help it. Brought to you this week by Chase's Hemorrhoid that he named Henry. (laughs) Welcome in. That would be Henry the Hemorrhoid. I thought you named your Hemorrhoid, Chase. That's a great... (laughs) I did. That's a great mascot. Henry Henry the the Hemorrhoid. hemorrhoid. Three, two...